0: Alright, c So how many of y'all actually have questions like the ones that we showed up there? Primarily the one about Kim Kardashian. Hasn't ever wondered that before? Okay, because if you see, there's a little... I don't know if I pointed this out last week. On the top right, see how it says a name? See that little name up there? What does that say? Yeah, see, Sean Myers decided to go ahead and search all those things, and we captured it. So he was curious about Kim. No, he wasn't. I'm just kidding. We just thought we'd make fun of him, but it's fine. So listen, we're going to jump into week two of this question series. And in week two, we're going to continue kind of the thought of last week, but what we really want to do tonight is jump into this understanding of asking God questions is a good practice. We talked about that last week, and so I want you to be able to understand that it's a good practice and then to feel the freedom to ask those questions, because a lot of us have questions. We have questions about God, we have questions about faith, we have questions about the world, we have questions about our future, about our past, about what's next, about heaven, about all these things wrapped around our identity and who we are as people. We are filled with questions. And so we want you to ask those questions to us. I talked about it at the beginning. Next week we are going to have a Q&A, a live Q&A with four different pastors up here on stage where we're going to be taking your questions and talking about them. So whatever the questions are that you have, what we need you to do is we need you to tweet them to us, post them on Instagram, whatever it is, and whenever you do that, put this hashtag up there, hashtag C12Questions. So ask your question, put it on there, and then put hashtag C12Questions, because if you don't put hashtag C12Questions, I'm never going to see it, and it's like you never asked it, you big jerk, okay? So just go ahead and put that on there and make me a happy man, because when you do this, next week you're going to come in and you're going to see four talented, studly, um, attractive men up here. Um, Actually, five, because I'm going to be up here. Um, And then they're going to be sitting here, and we're going to field all of your questions because we want you to understand that, A, it's okay to have questions. Asking God questions is a good practice. But then, B, we want you to find answers. We want you to find the answers that maybe you're holding on to. So I don't know what the question is that you're holding on to, but I think all of us have questions. I think all of us have something that we would, what we would say is, is within our heart, is within our DNA, is within our spirit. There's something that confuses us in our mind. And so we want to talk about those things. Maybe you've never had an opportunity to actually say it. We want to give you that opportunity. And all that's going to happen next week. Now, I think that next week is going to be incredible. Like I said, I've done this 10 different times before. But I think it's going to be incredible not because this will be the 11th time, but because I think that asking questions is something vital to your future. It's something vital to your present. It's something vital to your past. It's something vital to who you are. So I thought I'd kind of get us in, in the mode to, so you can see what that actually looks like. And I'm going to start off tonight by asking you a question. So here's the question I'm going to ask you, and I want you to think about it, okay? You don't have to shout out or answer, and don't raise a hand, and I'm not going to call on you. Don't, don't do this little game. No, I just want you to think about the question I'm going to ask. And the question that i want to ask you right now is, what comes to mind when you think about God? Right now, all of you have the opportunity to think, because I just asked you a question. What comes to mind when you think about God? What comes to mind when you think about God? Now, see, it's these types of questions that stir your faith. It's these types of questions that actually say a lot about you. And there's a pastor. He's a pastor and a Christian author. His name is A.W. Tozer. Anyone ever heard of Tozer before? Okay, I'm a big fan of Tozer. And Tozer has this book called The Knowledge of the Holy. And he actually says that this question, the one I just asked you, whatever came to your mind actually says a lot about you. What comes to mind when you think about God? Listen to what he says about this question in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the single most important thing about us. This is true not only of the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that composes the church. Always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. I'm going to say that first line again. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Now, the reason why I believe that it's the most important thing about us is because it declares something about what we believe about God, that how you answer this question will ultimately determine how much you trust God. So that's the first question I want to ask you, but the pressing question that I want to ask you, the primary question for tonight is this Do you trust God? Now, don't just flippantly answer that, oh, yeah, I trust Him, or, oh, no, I think you're full of crap. No, I don't, no, don't do that. I want you to actually think about it. Do you trust God? Do you trust that he's good? Do you trust that he's kind? Do you trust that he will provide? Do you trust that he has the best thing out for you? Do you trust that he knows your future? Do you trust that he is far better than anything you could ever do on your own? Do you trust that he is the only way to be redeemed? Do you trust that he loves you? Do you trust God? That's the question that I want to kind of blanket over our talk tonight. Because it's questions like this, God, do I actually trust you? Do I, do I really trust you? See, it's questions like this that are paramount for our faith. And so last week we talked about how asking God questions is a good practice. And the reason why is because there's actually a progression, a trail, that all of us, that all of us follow in asking questions. And so we start off by doing this. We start off by asking God questions. If you want to follow along in your notes, it's the first thing. And it's this trail that continues on. So as you continue to grow, as you continue to grow up, as you continue to experience more life, questions are going to come into your mind. They're going to come into your heart. And the first thing that you do, and it is a good practice, it's a good thing to do, is to ask God questions. We should be asking God questions because when we ask God questions, and this is what we learned last week, God gives you answers. It's simple. It's like math. When you ask God questions, he will give you answers. But not just answers. It's not just that God gives us the gift to ask him questions. God will also give you faith. If you ask God questions, he'll give you faith. And I got to explain last week how I've been able to live that out and see how that's happened over the last 11 years. And even more so, especially over the last week and a half. And a story I shared about me and my wife. And see, the question that continued to come up in my mind that I would ask God is, God, if I lost everything and only had you, would I be okay? God, if I lost everything and only had you, would I be okay? It's a scary question to ask. But I continued to ask that question, and God eventually gave me an answer that I can hold on to. But as a result of the answer, He also gave me faith. See, asking God questions is a good practice. I can answer that I would be okay because I trust God. I can tell you right now, I can sit here in front of all, however many there are of you in front of me, and I can say, I trust God. I do. I trust Him for my provision. I trust Him for my health. I trust Him for my future. I trust Him for my my portion. I trust Him for my love, my joy, and my peace. I trust Him for my salvation. I do. I trust God. And it allows me to say that if I lost everything and only had Him, I'd be okay. But what if you don't trust God? What if everything flipped and you didn't trust Him? What then? See, if you can't honestly say that you trust God... At the core of who you are, you fully trust him. Something else begins to happen. You will very quickly see that rather than asking God questions, your entire model of life switches. And it becomes that you're no longer asking God questions. Now you're questioning God. So the last question I left you with last week was, are you asking God questions or are you questioning God? Now, when I say, are you questioning God, what I really mean, if I, could, if I could sum it up in one word, would be this, doubt. Now, let's have some fun here. How many of you have ever doubted anything in the world, ever? Okay, right, because if you're not raising your hands, then I doubt that, okay? So, let's just all get on the same page, and I'll raise my hand, too. All of us have experienced doubt. We all collectively just raised our hands. So, does that mean that you should be ashamed of Doubt. No, 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 that, that, that the correct answer is no. Doubt is something that happens in our faith. It's something that happens in our world. When we begin to move from asking God questions out of trust and shifting to questioning God, what happens is doubt starts to creep in. So we, I, I just asked you how many of you experienced doubt overall. How many of you have ever had a doubt about God or your faith or Jesus or if this is real or the church there you go. So what you just saw is that you're not alone. All of us experience doubt. But what we have to understand is that while asking God questions is a good practice, and while there may not, there may not be anything wrong with doubt, what you got to get is that when you shift from asking God questions to questioning God, you are moving in a very dangerous direction. You are moving in a direction that is not the most beneficial to you. Because let's just call doubt what it is. Doubt is a distrust of God. When you ask God questions, you're saying, God, I trust you and I don't understand this, so I just, I'm going to ask you. Because I trust that you're going to hear me and you're going to give answers, you're going to give faith. But when you start to have doubts and you start to move from asking God questions to questioning God, now all of a sudden you're filled with distrust God, I don't know that I really trust you. How could you do this? How is it that you can say you're a good God and yet there's so much death and evil and horrible things happening? How can your hands really be around a situation when that six-year-old girl just died from a drunk driver? God, how in the world can you say that you're kind when that six-week-old girl just passed away and no one knows why. How can you say that you're kind, God, when, when my wife just died of cancer? God, how can you say that you're kind when there's so much injustice in the world? How can you see all of a sudden, what am I doing? I'm questioning God. Because now I'm not trusting that He is those things. My questioning of Him is saying that there's a distrust. You know, I don't know that I really know that I'm really on board with who you are and what you're saying. So maybe you come in here tonight filled with doubts. Maybe you doubt God's existence. Maybe you doubt that anything I'm saying is true. Maybe you doubt that Jesus can actually save you. Or here's my personal favorite. I love this one. Maybe you doubt that you're actually saved. So There's this thing we like to do in church called the sinner's prayer. Like, there's no actual prayer anywhere in the Bible that you say, and then all of a sudden, ding! you're saved, okay? Can we just call it what it is? That doesn't exist. But we like to give you vernacular. We like to give you words that help you guide what it is that your heart needs to say in accepting Jesus and asking Jesus to come into your heart and save you. And we call this the sinner's prayer and we do it in little moments of response after services. How many of you have ever seen one of these on a screen or heard a pastor say it? You know what I'm talking about? Are we all on the same page? Okay, let's have some fun. How many of you have ever said that more than 10 times. Oh, gotcha. How many of you have ever said it dozens of times? Okay. I can't tell you how many times I sat there in a pew. That tells you what kind of church I grew up in. In a pew. And the pastor would say this. He's like, if you want to accept Jesus, you just need to. And he was really Southern, so I'm like, it's, that's a bad accent. But just go with it. If you want to accept Jesus, you just need to say these words in your heart, and, and you're going to have Jesus. Like, that makes it more holy. I don't know. But he would do that, and I would sit there as a, as a kid. When I was eight years old, I accepted Jesus. I, I said, Jesus, come and save me. And I can't tell you how many times from when I was eight till I was 17, I sat there, and I was like, Oh God, I don't want to go to hell. Um, I'm just going to say it again. Dear Jesus, would you come into my heart, I... I'm saying this for the 15th time, but maybe this time, maybe this time I'll feel something different. Right? How, have y'all, are y'all with me? Have, has anyone else done this? Or am I just weird? Okay. Now, do you want to know the reason why you do that, why I did that? It's because you don't trust God. That's the reason why. Why? The Bible clearly says in Romans 10.9, if we trusted God's word, if we trusted the Bible, the Bible is extremely clear about this, Romans 10.9. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's no, like, next to that. There's not a comma, okay? Period. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, if I trust that, then that very first time when I sat there and I said, God, save me. I believe that you are Lord. Jesus, I believe that you are Lord. I believe that you came and lived the life that I never could, that you took the death and the wrath that I deserved upon yourself, even though you never deserved it, and that you defeated death on my behalf, so that when I trust in you, I can have everlasting life and I can be restored to God. God, would you come and save me? Would you make that me? Would you become Lord of my life and make make you my identity? The very first time I ever said that, I was saved. And I never needed to say it again. But I didn't trust God. Because, see, doubt, if we can just call it what it is, is a distrust of God. So when you doubt your salvation... What you're really saying is, God, I don't know that I trust you. So I'm going to say these magic words again. Because you're a genie in a lamp, apparently. No. See, doubt can become very dangerous for our faith. While asking God questions is a good practice, questioning God can be extremely dangerous. Now, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. Having doubts is not bad. Unattended doubts is when you become dangerous. It's the practice of asking these questions. It's actually understand that, understanding that whenever you have doubts, you need to ask them of God. Get them off your chest. Tell God that you're doubting Him. Because here's the deal. He already knows. <laughs> it's the craziest thing in the world. You can't keep a secret from Him. It's nuts. The moment you have the thought, He already knows. So just ask Him. Because see, if you continue to leave those doubts unattended and you continue to not ask them and not actually give attention to them and figure them out, if you continue to do this, then something horrifying begins to occur. You shift from asking God questions to questioning God to unbelief in God. That all of a sudden those doubts swarm your brain and overwhelm your heart. And now instead of saying, God, how can you do this? Are you really good? It changes to... I don't believe that God's good. Mm-mm. I just don't believe that it's true. Now, the reason why I say this is horrifying is because of a story that I experienced. When I was growing up uh, in high school, growing up, i like already grown, I was 6'3", my junior year. When I was in high school, there was a guy named Nate. He was one of my closest friends, my, one of my absolute best friends. He was in my wedding when I was 24 years old. And so we were friends for a long time. And Nate, we would always have these conversations. We'd always start off with this question every time we got together. Hey, dude, how's your heart? That was the first question we'd ask. And if we said that in front of anyone else, they'd be like, how's your heart? heart?" But we knew that when we said that, what we were saying is, how are you doing spiritually? It was a sense of accountability for us. How's your heart? And we would stay up for hours on end all the time talking about the deep questions of our faith, wrestling with what it was that we believed about God, talking about, about girls and talking about what God wanted us to, to remain pure in and talk about accountability and talk about we go into to Scripture and we dive into it together. And then when Nate got to college, he started to have some doubts. And we talked about it because that's what we did. That's what brothers do. They don't just hug, they talk. And so we did. And what I watched in Nate, what I watched occur inside of him, is that all these questions were coming up. And he was going where with them? To me. And we were talking about it. But then it would be the exact same question six months later that he was still wrestling with. Because the truth is, he wasn't wrestling with it at all. He wasn't paying any attention to these doubts that started to swarm his mind and overwhelm his heart. So I was married for about eight months. I'm out of college now. He's in his senior year in school, and I'm out of college. And I'm living in the apartment, me and my wife. And Nate shows up in my house one day, like 8 o'clock at night, uninvited, unannounced. Just, hey, dude, what's up? Okay, you can come on in. We got food on the table. All right. And so what do you think the first question I asked Nate was? How's your heart? And he said, I knew you were going to ask me that question. But here's the deal, Matt. I don't know that I believe that anymore. That whole Jesus thing, I just don't know that I believe that. This man was in my wedding. He was my accountability partner. He was one of my closest friends of my faith. The thing that brought us together was our faith in Jesus. And he sat across a couch from me and said, I don't know about, uh, that I believe that anymore. The reason why that happened is because he had doubts that he, that he left unattended, that he never actually wrestled down, that he never brought to God, that he never said, I want to go figure this out because it doesn't make sense. But I want to trust God. And it shifted from trusting God to distrusting God. And when he did that, it shifted from questioning God to unbelief in God. I haven't talked to Nate in about three years. He's never seen my children. And it breaks my heart. It makes me angry because I know that he knows the truth. I I know that inside he knows the truth. He just doesn't want to deal with the consequences of the lifestyle he's living. He doesn't want to actually put in the hard work and wrestling these doubts and figuring out what it is to actually follow Jesus. Jesus. And it makes me so mad. But then the moment the anger subsides, it absolutely breaks my heart because I love this guy. See, whenever you leave doubts unattended, you shift from questioning God to unbelief in God. That's the next part of the progression. So you start off with a good practice of asking God questions, then all of a sudden you start to shift to questioning God, and before you know it, it's unbelief in God, because of this primary question that I asked you at the beginning. Do you trust God? Do you trust him? Do you actually trust him? Because if you do, then you can ask questions to him that no longer become doubts. You're not questioning his sovereignty. You're not questioning his goodness. You're asking him questions. It's something that you got to see happen. It's a pattern that can happen in your life that you can flip on its head if you could just say, God, I'm going to choose to trust you. You know when we're most at risk to distrust God, to say, I don't trust you? It's when things go bad. It's when suffering occurs. See, the things in Nate's life that were happening, his entire life was unraveling. School wasn't going well. He was in the wrong crowd. He was being influenced by the wrong people instead of influencing those around him. Suffering started to occur. And it's when this happens, it's when there's war, when there's divorce, when there's heartache, when there's cancer, when there's death. Can you continue to trust God when everything around you is telling you that you can't? Because the world's going to tell you that you can't trust him. Satan and all his little evil ones are going to come right in your ear and tell you, you can't trust him. It's the exact same thing that they told Adam and Eve in the garden. Hang on, hang on, wait a minute. So God said you could have everything here except for one tree? Well, he doesn't want you to eat from that tree because he knows that then you'll become like him. And he doesn't want you to become like him. He's scared. Doubt. Distrust. And soon it leads to unbelief in God. So in those moments where everything goes wrong and where it's difficult to trust him, Will you ask God questions because you trust Him, or will you begin to question God because you don't trust Him? See, the Bible's filled with examples of people that ask questions, that deal with suffering, and they even question God, that doubt God. The Bible's filled with stories like this. There's an entire book solely dedicated to one guy asking God questions and then questioning God through his suffering. It's called Job. Job. Anyone ever heard of Job? Book of Job? Okay. If you want to feel really good about your life, go read Job. Like, if you, don't, if you think you got it bad, go read Job, and it will be sunshine and rainbows, I promise. Because Job had literally every single thing possible go wrong. And through everything going wrong, he continued to ask God questions and challenge God and, and try to figure out why God's doing this. And then God showed up and gave him answers. And through all of the questions he asked him, God said that he found Job blameless because he never started to distrust God. He always trusted him through all the questions. Job is the reason why I ask myself the question that I do if I lost everything and only had God, would I be okay? See, the Bible's filled with stories like Job. And there's one in particular that I want us to look at because it's going to show us what it is that we do when we start to feel doubt rise up inside, when we start to feel like this is welling up in us. And all of a sudden, I'm moving, I feel it, from asking God questions and trusting Him to starting to question God because I distrust Him. What do you do when that happens? We're going to, t- we're going to see what to do because the Bible tells us it gives us help. In the book of Psalms, chapter 88, chapter 88, So there's a Bible underneath your chair or on the back of the chair in front of you. If you have your own or if you use your phone, that rhymed, you're welcome. You can do whatever it is, okay? Psalm 88 is where we're going to turn. You can almost take the Bible and open it to the middle. It's in the Old Testament. In Psalm chapter 88, we're going to see the psalmist. It's not actually David. David wrote a lot of the psalms. This is not David. But the psalmist starts to write and starts to declare this This melancholy lamentation about the questions that they have for God. So Psalm chapter 88, if you have this Bible right here, it's page 590 if you're still looking. Use the table of contents, don't be ashamed of that. We're going to start reading in verse 1. You follow along, page 590, Psalm 88. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like the one without strength. I am set apart with the dead like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken me from my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and I cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do do the spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness and destruction? What's he doing? He's questioning God. Verse 12. Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? Questioning God. Now maybe that's exactly where you are. Maybe you feel like, you know what, I'm saying the same things to God right now. Because things aren't going right and the world's not falling the way that I think it should. And there's chaos in my world. And the relationship I'm in is going haywire. Or this person cheated on me. Or they don't like me. Or school's not going well. Or my someone in my family has cancer. Or I'm not getting the job. Whenever suffering and chaos comes into your world, you are most susceptible to start distrusting God. Just like the psalmist right here in Psalm 88. But look at verse 13. I'm going to put it up on the screen because this is where you see your answer. Psalm 88 verse 13. But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. So God, you're doing all these things and I don't really know that you're real. I don't really know that you're who you say you are. Verse 13. But I cry to you, O Lord. See, there's a change in his heart. He went from distrust to trust. God, I'm going to cry out to you. I'm going to give you my prayers in the morning because I know that you're good. Now watch what happens. If you keep reading, let's keep going. Verse 14. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? Now he just went from, I question God, verse 13, But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning my prayer comes before you. Verse 14, Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? For my youth I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken me from my friend and my neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. So what is the difference here? Verse 13, his heart. Because he knows he can go to God with his prayers and with his questions. And he cries out to him. See, it's not, it's not a bad thing to have doubt. It's not a bad thing to ask God questions. But the moment you start to question God and say, I don't know about this whole thing. Are you really what you, who you say you are? Do you really have the best doubt for me? What you do in those moments is you cry out to God and you give him those as prayers. You start to pray to Him, you start to ask Him, "God, I, like I'm, I'm struggling in this, show up." This is how you combat doubt. See as we talk about questions and having questions, that asking God questions is a good practice. But questioning God can become very dangerous. And so the way that you get out of this, the way that you fight doubt, the way that you fight this distrust of God is that you cry out to him and you pray. And you start to let your questions become your prayers. Let's have a fun little response. How many of you in this room journal? Okay. Not like Dear Diary, all right? This isn't Anne Frank. How many of you journal, like you write out your thoughts? Okay? When I journal, I have about six moleskin journals that I've had since I was about 18 years old, filled with pages of my writing, of ink, handwritten. And you know what every single one of them is? A prayer. I write my prayers out to God. I, my questions become my prayers. And so it's allowed me over the last 11 years, over the last 12 years, to trust God in a way that brings me through suffering, that brings me through chaos, that brings me through my wife almost dying a week and a half ago and being able to sit there and say, God, I trust you. If I lost everything and only had you, I'd be okay. Now things still confuse me and things don't make sense and I still get angry at God. And I think that things aren't happening how I want, so I try to manipulate them and it leads to more doubt. But what I do is I cry out to him when I begin to have these questions. And I pray. And my questions become my prayers. So see, the psalmist gives us two very easy things to do. You cry out to God and you pray. So I thought tonight it would be very prudent of us to actually give you an opportunity to do that. So on your bulletin, there is a blank space at the bottom. And if you already filled that up, well, then you're the overzealous one. Congratulations. What I want you to do is I want you to take the space at the bottom of your bulletin. And if you already filled it up, find another one. There's a few on the seats sitting around here. And what we want to do is actually give you an opportunity to respond. Because maybe as we talk about this, you are completely identifying with the psalmist. You're completely identifying with my buddy Nate. Are you completely identifying with this whole talk about doubt? And what we want to do is give you an opportunity to do what the psalmist says, to live out and practice, verse 13. But I cry out to you, O Lord, in the morning I give you my prayers. And so we want you to have an opportunity to write down your questions. What questions do you have about God? What questions do you have about your faith? What are the things that are just continuously tripping you up that you don't understand? Maybe it's not causing you to distrust God, but it still doesn't make sense to you. Maybe it's the dinosaur question. I don't know. But every single person in this room, I know if I look at you right now and I ask you to be honest with me, all of you have questions. Every single one of us have questions about our faith, about God, about our salvation. And they can lead to the biggest rabbit holes in the world. I can't tell you how I got to a place with one question over about the course of six months that led me to being depressed. And then I had to go back and realize, hang on, but I know God's word is true and I trust him. And I know that what he says here is true and it trumps my question. But the first thing I had to do was actually write it out and ask it to God. So we want to give you an opportunity to do that. So over the next few moments, the band's going to come up and they're just going to play some music over you. If they sing, it's going to be over you. It's going to be for you to respond because my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will have prompted you to ask a question. Whatever it is inside your heart, whatever it is that's on your mind, ask it to God. Give it to Him. Cry out to Him and pray. Let your questions become your prayers to fight that doubt, to keep your trust, now, I know this may not be easy. And I know it may take some of you some time, but it's okay. We want to carve out time for you to be able to do this. So I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would sweep through and that he would give you the courage to write down those questions, as many as you have. This might be the most therapeutic thing you've ever done. This might be the most awkward thing you've ever done. But every single one of you have questions. So as I pray, join me in that. And then you take the next few moments to write out your questions on that paper. And then as they begin to worship, as you feel freed up and you feel led to do it, you join in and worship as well. Because we have a good God. And He lets us ask Him questions. He invites us to ask Him questions. Jesus was filled with asking questions to God. But He trusted Him. So let me pray for you. Father, I pray that the people in this room would would be able to have a trust... That mirrors God. A trust that mirrors what Jesus did. A trust that, that maybe doesn't even make sense in the midst of the chaos and the storm and the suffering. But Father, I know that there are questions in their heart. I know that, that they have, that they hold these questions in their hearts, God. And it's something that, that maybe they've held on to for a long time. Maybe it's a question that's worried and bothered them. They have anxiety about. But, Father, that weight that they feel because of their doubts is not one that they need to hold. It's not one that you even desire for them to hold. You desire for them to take that doubt, to put it at the feet of the cross, and to look up at Jesus and realize that he's already done all the work. So, Father, whatever's going on inside of these people's hearts tonight, I pray that in the name of Jesus you would have the freedom to move and that your Holy Spirit would run wild in this place. Would have his way in our hearts, in our worship, in our declarations, in our questions, in our responses. I pray for an overwhelming and sweeping move of obedience. That whatever it is you're placing upon our hearts, we'd put down on that paper. And we would begin the process of moving away from doubt and back into asking questions. We move away from distrust into trust. So may we mirror the psalmist in Psalm 88. May we cry out to you and give you our prayers and ask that you would show us that we can trust you. So, God, be sovereign, be seen, and be glorified in this place tonight. And may we respond as your Holy Spirit leads. In Jesus' name, amen.